with another edition of the Wenatchee Apple Sox podcast. I'm Joel Norman, and we're joined by the Apple Sox pitching coach, Mike Callia. And yes, he will be back for year number two in 2024. Mike, first off, hope everything's going well with you. Uh, it's so weird for me. You know, we get to that point where you're in season, we're seeing each other every single day, talking every single day, and then the season ends. And I'm realizing, you know, right as we're talking right now, it's like, boy, it has been a little while since I've talked to Mike Callia or at least seen him. So how is the offseason treating you? I know it's not really an offseason because you go into your full-time gig. Yeah, no, the uh, the offseason's going well as far as uh, Apple Sox baseball for me. So um, enjoying my time out at Lower Columbia year two there too. And um, just trying to work one day at a time and, and get to that spring season initially and then and then work towards summer so I'm, I'm fired up to be back in Wenatchee and uh, build off what we built off last year tell me a little bit about what it's like with the Red Devils obviously you guys are the defending NWAC champions the target is on your back not that it isn't always being lower Columbia but uh, how's it going right now explain to fans what fall ball was like and now as you're getting into the winter what you guys are kind of doing yeah, actually, I uh, just kind of wrapped up the uh, the fall today. It's November 30th right now at the time of recording. So uh, sending the guys home and it's always kind of bittersweet because now I actually get, you know, kind of a month off to reflect and, and get ready to roll for the for the marathon. But uh, it was a great fall, saw a lot of good things. And uh, obviously, we got a lot of players that we'll see around the West Coast League next summer. So it'll be fun. And um, we've got a very talented roster to build off kind of what we did last year and uh, hopefully make another run at this thing. I saw on Twitter a few weeks ago, you guys were doing like your inner squad world series. I know a lot of the JUCOs love doing those. I saw you were coaching one of those teams. Had that work out? How'd your team do? Yeah. You know, we had, a, we had a really strong draft and uh, we didn't be able to, we weren't able to pull it out in a five game series. So took it to game five, had a lot of, uh, had a lot of talent on the squad, but um, no, that's always a fun thing. We, we play for a steak dinner. Uh, so the winner gets steak and the and the losers eat beans that night. So put something on the line and get guys to uh, kind of just compete against one another. It's it's a lot of fun. And uh, and you know me, man, competing everything you do and uh, kind of separate practices out. And that's always it's always a good way to uh, finish the fall as far as inner squads go. Pretty exciting. I, I know that just adds a little more juice in the fall. And I always I always love following along with those things on uh, on social media. So let's talk about this past summer uh, with the Apple Sox. Had a few months to reflect on it. And. You know, it's one of those things that I, I do this with both of my jobs, Mike, where I think it takes a little while to process everything for when a season ends and even stuff that happens in the season. And especially for me with baseball season, because we condense so much into a two and a half month season. There's a lot of little moments that you're not thinking about at the time. But then later you go, wait a sec, that happened last summer. That was a big moment. And I did that with a hockey job as well when our season ended and you know, there's been a lot of fun moments I, I keep thinking about from this past summer. Kind of wanted to ask you, you know, I did this with Mitch and I already gave mine. So if anyone missed that, you can listen to that podcast as well. But Mike, I want to kind of put you on the spot, you know, off the top of your head. What were your three favorite moments that you would say from this past summer with the Apple Sox? Man, three favorite moments. You know, first off, I think I think the whole summer as a whole was is is a moment in its own. You know, I think I'm going to look back on that summer and and really just enjoy all the experiences as far as the guys go, as far as. Um, you know, the, the places we were able to play and, 
um, you know, just, just working with Mitch and working with Colton and things like that. And it was an awesome time, but man, if I had to narrow it down to three, um, I mean, off the top of my head, you know, I think, uh, game one in Nanaimo, uh, Toby Har came out and I think he threw around six innings of, uh, of one run ball, or I think it was, it was nowhere in runs over six. And, um, it was a dominant outing. And I think, uh, that really set the tone, um, for us moving into, I, I think we swept them. It was a big sweep on the road in Nanaimo in front of a good crowd. I thought that was, um, just when a pitcher sets the tone, um, and really just kind of takes over the game. Uh, obviously we had some offensive spurts in that game too, but I think that those really were set the tone from Toby Har and that kind of capped off his summer with us where he, you know, he was, that was what he was every time out. So, um, I'd say another one that really, that really gets me is, uh, is Jaden Williamson in Port Angeles. Um, you know, Jaden Williamson in Port Angeles, we gave him the ball early in the ball game and, um, we ended up losing that game, I believe, but I think that really set the tone for the second half for us. You know, I think, uh, we kind of understood where we were as a club and that, you know, that he was our guy, man. We had to throw, we had to give him the ball in that situation. And again, setting the tone for us in that second half that, Hey, we weren't, we weren't playing very well, man. We we had to make some adjustments and, and start playing better together. So um, I know those two aren't very much uh, things that we look back on maybe as a, uh, as a whole that we're too proud of because we didn't want to lose that ball game. And, um, obviously it wasn't late in the summer, but those two, man, those are, um, those are two huge turning points in our season last summer that I really enjoyed. Um, and then just later down the stretch, I think, uh, you know, I, and I got to think a little bit, man, um, down the stretch, who was our, gosh, I got to remember which Bellingham game. I think it was another Jaden Williamson outing. Is it the one on the road game. you're thinking of? Correct. Yeah. And, and when queen got the start, um, and it was, you know, White Queen came in and he was a deer in the headlights throwing for us. And um, just as far as a pitching out, uh, you know, uh, outlook and man, that place was packed and our guys were ready to go. And again, just setting the tone, ready to roll for us. So as far as pitching, man, our pitching was dominant all summer long. I could give you any game pretty much that we, that we did. We did well on. So that was easy to come to work to each day. But um, as far as the pitching out. Oh, look, that those are probably the three games that I, I look back on and I'm like, man, that was that was awesome. I want to build off that. Not too surprised that you chose three big pitching efforts of games. Uh, and those three were right. I, right. I like those. I like those picks a lot. The first one with Nanaimo, uh, there was a couple of reasons why I liked that game. And we did sweep that one and we did sweep the season series. Got to put that out there. Of course, it's a long off season, but right. not that I not that we want anyone to forget uh, I love that you said that with Toby, though. His last start, I'm looking back at the, the box score right now. That was July 21st. I mean, Toby was such a machine for the Apple Sox last summer. And this was a guy who pretty much was going to take the ball and go at least five innings pretty much every game. He had two, he had three games. He didn't go five innings. One of them was in relief, and the other two were just two starts where he just didn't quite get there. But, you know, he was a guy who you looked at the numbers and they're eye popping, you know, the five and one, one ninety ERA in seven games. I mean, he won, <laughs> he won five of the seven games that he pitched in. You, you just, you don't see that for starters. Like that's something you don't usually see, but then you look at the, the numbers even deeper. I mean, the guy never gave up more than three earned runs in a game. There are only two games. He gave up more than uh, more than three runs in a game. Obviously neither of those times uh, too many earned runs either, but I just I loved what he did all summer when he he took the ball, Mike, because he just you knew every night he was going to give you some really good stuff, going to give you a good chance to win. And 
And he was one of those classic examples to me of a guy who maybe he didn't get the opportunity he wanted in college that spring, but he basically just turns the summer into a spring season. Yeah. You know, Toby, you know, and I can't say enough good things about Toby. He was a great guy to have in the clubhouse. Um, you know, guys loved him. Uh, if you were an outfielder that barely talked to him, uh, he was your best friend on that day, but he, he went about his business like a true professional and I uh, can't tip my cap enough because that really carried over. And those guys pulled for him, man. Those guys pulled for him on the offense and those guys brought it when he was on the mound. Yeah. Ended up getting second team, all WCL, uh, just an incredible season for the Apple Sox too. Yeah, I mentioned the ERA under two, uh, became the 10th pitcher in Apple Sox history to start at least six games and have an ERA under two. Other notes from that game that you mentioned, the one we mentioned against the Naimo, a 5-1 to one win July 21st. I'd be remiss if I didn't mention it because that was the game where we got several runs, a couple of runs in the first inning thanks to another Josh Williams home run. And I remember when he hit it that night thinking that, wow, you know, that was his last, ended up being his last one of the season, but he had four of his five home runs against the Night Owls in, in the entire season. So he just kind of tormented their pitching staff. And, you know, a, a night like that where you get a home run and a pretty good start, that was kind of the applesauce recipe last summer, sure felt like. No, oh, yeah, we uh, we were we were a funny team. We were a funny team in that, um, you know, there was, there was a lot of games I remember looking at Mitch in the later innings, like, man, someone on this bench and someone on this, in this lineup, they're going to get it done. Somebody in our bullpen there, they're going to, they're going to get the job done. And I think it worked out more times than it didn't. Yeah, no doubt about that. The second game you talked about was that one July 6th against the Port Angeles lefties. And it's like you said, Mike, that was one that it was it arguably, probably besides being eliminated from the playoffs, we could argue that might've been one of the more, the most frustrating nights of the season. We went right. in that day knowing if we win that game, we win the first half. And as everyone who follows the West Coast League knows, you win the first half, you get home field advantage for the entire uh, part of your division's postseason. And obviously, we, we really wanted that. We were really close to getting that and did everything right except for win two or three against Port Angeles. And that was the game where it was a rare, tough start for Ryan Martinez. There were really only two that season. And he was going on shorter rest that day. Got Knocked out in the third inning, but right. like like you said, Mike, I mean, looking at the numbers, it's just as good as I remember. Jaden Williams had six innings of relief, no runs, one hit, no walks, and six strikeouts. That was one of those outings where in the middle of it, I remember thinking probably about sixth inning. I remember thinking, if we pull this game out, we're going to remember this one for the rest of the summer and probably a really, really long time. But even though we didn't win the game, that was probably Jaden's most dominant outing of the summer result of the game be damned and everything else be forgotten. That was, that was him at his best with the Apple sucks. Yeah. You know, and, and it's obviously a bummer. That was a big game for us and a huge missed opportunity, but you know, as a, as a coaching staff, you know, the, the only thing that we can do after a loss like that is we, we got to move forward, right? We we're the face kind of of the, of the team in that aspect. And, you know, if, if, if players see us kind of moving on and um, Hey, there's, there's another game to be played tomorrow or whatever day that is. Um, you know, that's that's a huge boost for our ball club. And um, I think that that didn't have to come from us in that point um, and in the summer. And, you know, and a lot of guys can look at summer ball as they're just here to get better and and very uh, uh, and it's a very personal thing. And I think a lot of guys in our club after that game realized like, hey, man, we got we got a chance to do something cool. This is fun. This means something to me. And um, that's why I think it was such a monumental game for us and that, you know, we moved forward as a team and it really kind of helped us. And we we went on a long bus ride home that night and. Um, we came ready to play. What was so cool after dropping that game, 
was showing up the next day at the ballpark at home, probably not really wanting to play, you know, probably not really feeling like, okay, you know, let's get back to it. We were up five, nothing blew that five, nothing lead in the ninth and then ended up walking it off after Kamloops had briefly taken the lead. That was, that was just the the sign of a team who they weren't treating it like summer ball. It was, you know, this means something we're going to win this game. We're going to find a way. So that was, that was another moment that I really liked. That was an easy one to forget was winning that next day too, but you know, just going back to that outing with Jaden, that was one of four times in the summer that he tossed in at least five innings in relief and was the second consecutive game, which he did that. He had those five innings against Edmonton. Of course, the five and two-thirds innings against Bellingham, August 3rd, which we'll get to in a moment. And then, of course, the seven and a third in game one of the North Division Series. Who could forget that one? That was another incredible that was outing awesome. that was just like, a, you know, boy, it's, it's really unfortunate that came in a loss. <laughs> right. Yeah, but going back to your your third moment that you chose, that was August 3rd. What a game. To me, that was the one, Mike, where that was the signaling to me that, hey, the postseason is here. There are this is, you know, after that right. game, there were still three games left in the regular season, but uh, that was a matchup we thought, I think, you know, I think a lot of ways could had reason to expect that we might have a chance to see Bellingham again the next week in the postseason. Obviously, it didn't quite work out, but you know, that was such a fun matchup. I, I think the thing everyone remembers from that one was Jaden's effort in relief, the five and two-thirds innings, two hits, no runs, no walks, and seven strikeouts, but also the big home run by MJ Sweeney, that one that right. came in the uh, the fifth inning to give us the lead. We, we didn't have a whole lot of leads against Bellingham in the season series, right. so that was such a cool moment, MJ going yard, and you know, he was a guy who down the stretch of the season, he sure found his groove once he really got consistent and regular playing time at first, didn't he? Yeah, you know, he he's a guy that, uh, again, great to have around and things like that. And he, uh, you know, he really fed off some other guys and he picked up on some of our older guys in the clubhouse and out in pregame. And um, he got better, man. He got better. And I tip my cap to him. And, uh, you know, he's not the only one that was in that lineup uh, that game, to be honest, that did the same thing. That was such a cool game. We got that run in the ninth inning, too, with Izzy Lopez, you know, just doing Izzy Lopez stuff, using his right. feet and, you know, taking advantage of any opportunity. Uh, that was the one where he scored a uh, stolen base and the throwing error as well. That was just that was so cool to see. But uh, that was just such a huge win at that time. I think we needed that because up until that point on August 3rd, we had lost four in a row to Bellingham. And it's late in the season. Everyone's tired. I remember thinking, like, we can't get swept. It's hard to go to Bellingham and take two or three. But to get one there was kind of the right confidence boost, I felt like. And unfortunately, it would be the last win of the season. But it was that right note we needed going into the postseason. No, yeah, that was a huge game. Um, you know, we we tell guys, to, you know, our thing is to win series. Obviously, we want to win games, but if you look at things a little bigger, we we want to win series, right? Um, if for the rare occasion we're down two games in the in the series going in, we got to salvage it and at least get a game. Okay, nobody sweeps us, and that's that's something big uh, that we take pride in. And uh, to finish on that note, in front of uh, in in that kind of environment, which was a packed house and a good Bellingham team, you know, that's that said a lot about our team going into that. Uh, going into the playoffs, really. Yeah, that was the one where it was the fireworks night, if I'm remembering right. They were pretty packed. Was that the one, I remember your dad was in town and he, he couldn't get into one of the games. Was it that game, Mike? Yeah, yo, yeah, he uh, he doesn't live too far from there and he, he came out to the game. It was his first one on the road, I believe. And um, they they turned, he was a few minutes late for uh, getting off work late and he uh, he had to stand on the, 
on his car just to kind of see into the stadium because it was so packed and they didn't have any more tickets. So um, probably wish he was uh, in the stadium for that one. Yeah, but still part of the game. Still got a chance to to kind of watch that one, though. That was a heck of a one. So those are your three big moments. I liked all those picks there, Mike. Let's talk a little bit. Let's give people the numbers again. If they weren't familiar with the the year that this pitching staff had for the Apple Sox, uh, under your tutelage, a 335 ERA, fifth best out of 16 teams, and the best mark by an Apple Sox pitching staff since 2012. You guys shut out four teams, most by an Apple Sox pitching staff since 2014. Now, this is the one I really love because you don't see this a whole lot anymore. Apple Sox starting pitchers in 2023 tossed at least five innings in 63% of the games, and the team was 24-10 and 10 when their starting pitchers uh, tossed at least five innings. Ten Apple Sox pitchers had more strikeouts than innings pitched, which you love to see as well. And then I think it's worth noting on the same note with those strikeouts, Quincy Vassar and Jaden Williamson both tying for the seventh most strikeouts in the WCL with 42 on the campaign. One of the focuses heading into the season and part of why you were brought aboard for that 2023 season, Mike, was to to improve the pitching staff. The, the 2022 team, really good offensively, probably better than what the 2023 Apple Sox were offensively. But the pitching staff was was definitely an issue the year before, but it was able to kind of take a big turn. It was it had a 488 ERA in 2022 and again improved to 335 in 2023. You weren't there, obviously, for 2022, but what was some of the stuff you felt like guys did really well to lead to a lot of those numbers that I just gave? You know, I think the biggest thing and kind of when I sat down and really thought about what I wanted to implement over the summer and, uh, you know, again, tip my cap to Mitch, you know, Coach Darlington, he he really gave me free reign with the pitchers to kind of do what I wanted. And, um, you know, really, I just had a lot of accountability for these guys. Um, you know, we, we brought in a great roster. We had some great arms on board. We had a great mix of young guys and, uh, some older guys that have been around for a little bit. And, um, there's a lot of experience in that clubhouse and and we held guys accountable, you know, to get their post throw recovery in and, um, you know, and take care of their arms and get in the weight room and outside and when we're on the road and stuff like that. And, um, I think that was a huge part, you know, I think, when these pitchers really think that and it's summer ball and they can just show up and perform and be good. I think that is when um, things starts to slip a little bit, right? Like we really kind of instilled in their brains that this is their summer to go earn a job in the fall and set yourself up for a good spot. So um, I I don't want to take too much credit. Coach Darlington brought in a lot of pitchers that were really good. And we had some very talented arms that come from very great programs. um, And we kind of just, you know, let them kind of figure things out a little bit and provide uh, advice, provide knowledge, provide, uh, you know, whatever they need from us, you know, throughout the summer to to help them out. But, you know, th- those guys kind of did it themselves. How involved do you really get with guys who, and this, I always love talking to Mitch about this, how involved do you get with guys who aren't necessarily your players? You had plenty of Red Devils on this team. Guys, you including pitchers who you were really familiar with working with already, but you know how, how much are you telling guys, hey, maybe try this differently because you're these players are kind of being loaned to you for the most part in the summer, and you're in that role of maybe tweaking things, maybe more just guiding them, keeping them on the path that's already been set out by them by their coaches. Explain to fans what that process is like for you because in a lot of ways it's really an awkward position. Yeah, there's a there's a fine line to walk really. Uh when it comes to summer ball and, and some of the programs that we draw from, you know, um, I think something to note is that these programs trust us. Uh, they trust the Wenatchee Apple Sox. There's a strong reputation. 
uh, throughout college baseball. So that's, that's definitely a blessing there, but um, you know, there's some guys that don't really need me to kind of tweak their delivery and, and give them kind of what I see. And there's guys that really do, they, they like that extra set of eyes, you know, um, Ryan Martinez, he, he, he and I really got along great. And he, he was picking my brain a lot throughout the summer. And, and for example, Toby Har, um, he just needed me there for support. He, he, he knew what he was working on and he knew what he needed to do each day to get better. And, um, just me keeping him accountable was, was what he needed the most, you know, um, on the flip side, there's a guy like Jaden Williamson where, um, he and I are out there for early work or Evan Canfield are out there for early work every single day. So, um, it's definitely a fine line. And after the first couple of weeks, you know, once, uh, kind of the 10 day contracts, uh, head out for the summer, we kind of learn which kind of arms we have. Um, obviously we have a strong reputation for bringing in the young guys, you know, the, the incoming freshmen, um, those guys are deer in headlights. They haven't even stepped on a college campus yet. So trying not to break them necessarily. Um, but you know, kind of guide them and, uh, we want them to be healthy when they go into the fall. We want to understand that, like what, what the main goal is and um, keep them healthy moving in throughout the summer. There were a couple of guys, and this is becoming more and more common each summer. There's a lot of guys each season who they're either in the transfer portal, they've already switched schools and they're just waiting for the fall to start in a lot of ways. And they're in that in between uh, between the two. We talked about Toby Hart earlier. He was at Kansas in 2000, the spring of 2023 transferred, of course, to central Arizona What's that process like working with guys like that? I know you were helpful with helping to get some of those guys to transfer to another school, but what's that like working with them, whether they have already committed elsewhere or in the process of looking to commit elsewhere? Yeah, you know, I think uh, it always starts with a step back, right? Uh, they've got to be healthy if they're showing up somewhere new and they got to be healthy and ready to go prove something in the fall. So, um, kind of what I really look for in that and in a situation like Toby Har is man, the central Arizona is a very talented program. You know, he can't afford to miss any of the fall or be too fatigued. So um, he's got to be ready to go. We can't overuse him. We can't, um, you know, we can't burn him out early in the summer. We can't get him hurt. Uh, we've got to make sure that he's healthy September one or whenever they show up to school. Um, as far as other schools, you know, I think that's the main thing is like their goal over the summer is to get better obviously pitching well is awesome, you know, but they, they need to get better and develop their tools and go back to school, a better pitcher than they left. So, uh, you know, the big thing, whether you're in the transfer portal or headed back is, is you're playing summer ball for a reason. You're playing college baseball for a reason. Um, the work, the work doesn't stop because you're not at school or you're not associated with a school. Um, the work always continues. We've touched on a few of the guys you liked working with, maybe their talent and just helping them improve as ball players. Who are a couple of the, the personalities maybe you miss? Maybe it's a, a pitcher, maybe it's a position player. Who's a couple of guys maybe you talk to them every day in the summer that you really enjoyed from this past season? Man, there's yeah, there's a lot of guys from uh man from Wenatchee this last summer. I miss I'll start with a with a non-pitcher. I, I miss Easton Amundsen. Obviously, I got a little bit more time with with Easton uh at Lower Columbia. Um he was just a, a guy that he and I got along really well. And he's kind of a goofball uh, once you get to know him. So I definitely miss having him around. Um, I miss having Evan Canfield kind of in my ear, annoying me every single day. Um, he He's a great all-time Apple sock. And, you know, he pitched, he pitched very well last year for us, um, man, but his energy is infectious. He, he brought it every single day and 
um, it, it definitely showed on the mound that, you know, he was, he was the guy, um, and some other guys I miss, I miss Carson Olin. He's obviously a catcher. Um, he was another guy that, man, he, his work ethic was, was bar none, man. He, he brought it every single day and guys fed off that energy. Um, you know, there's, there, I miss the Toby Hars cause I, I've missed working with that true professional. Um, and there's, and then there's a lot of them. There, uh, we had a very good roster and it was a very fun team to be around last year. It was very easy to come to the ballpark each day, um, with kind of the, the pitching staff we had, the, the offense we had, and, um, really the coaches we had. Tell me an Evan Canfield story. I know a lot of them. I know a lot of people like to, they enjoy the stories with him, especially because he's played for the Apple Sox a couple of years. And he's kind of one of those guys where, you know, once you've met him, you understand why I'm asking that question. But tell fans maybe a fun Evan Canfield story from this past summer. Man, I, I guess I got one. Uh, I got to think back now. I got to take a look. So in Kamloops, uh, we got rained out our first day. Am I right? That's right. And how did we make that up? We we played a single the next day and a single. doubleheader. Correct. Yeah. So we and did we sweep that series, Joel? Yes, we did. Yeah. And I remember the the game. The, so the first game of the series, Kamloops had a decent crowd, and we were up, and some good stuff was going our way. I got to pull up the game exactly, but. Um, Evan Canfield is just down at the other side of the dugout and you can hear his voice through anything. I promise you can hear his voice through a freaking Mariners game from the other side of the stadium. I, it is insane how much his voice carries and he is just annoying everybody today. Um, and when he annoys somebody, it's, it's never negative. It's always, if you know his personality, it's like, it's just, it's almost so funny that I got to focus on the game, man. So you got to go to the other side of the dugout. And I remember telling him, all right, Evan, you got to go to the other side of the dugout, man. You're, you're done. Go to the bullpen or something. Don't even be by me. Um, and the next thing you know, it's in between innings and he is just out in front of the dugout dancing with their crowd in like the seventh inning. And I, I think I went to the, the clubhouse to go use the bathroom and I came out. And everybody, we're getting ready to hit and guys are, or we're warming up or whatever. And he's just dancing in front of the crowd, back to the field, the play ball, umpire's about to put the ball in play and he is out there just living it up. And I think, you know, that's, that's really what I miss, right? He he came to the yard every day and he was having fun with it. Uh, but also he, learned, he knew how to turn it on. He knew that he wasn't pitching that day. He knew kind of the situation and what it called for. But um, yeah, he, he always had something fun to do. With, he always made fun of the game, which was awesome in a good way, for sure. He was one of those guys. He 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 was vocal, but to me, he was a great example of a guy where you know there, there's definitely some negativity with some dugouts talking. I mean, from afar, obviously, I wasn't in it. I never thought that was an issue with ours, and it never really seemed to be an issue. It was one of those ones where we were a vocal dugout in a constructive way is what I was always hearing from other people was, you know, guys were talking, but it was more of, you know, it wasn't to, you know, necessarily go after another team. And grand, there were, there were times I'm not, I'm not ignorant. There were times where both dugouts are going to go at each other, but from everything, you know, I was told from what other people would hear is we were, it was a constructive dugout. It was mostly us trying to fire each other up. Yeah. You know, we, you know, it's definitely hard to manage when we have a bunch of uh, a bunch of college baseball players and, and things get chippy here and there. And, um, 
you know, that's, that's part of my job is to manage these guys though. And, and that's part of Mitch's job is to manage kind of uh, what's being set out of our, our clubhouse, our dugout, things like that. And, you know, we Evan really set the tone with that. You know, I, I hear it sometimes, but you know, the biggest thing we say is, Hey, we got to stay on us, stay on us. And um, I think it's, uh, you know, I think it's a real cool thing. Uh, I kind of go back to that final game in, uh, in Bellingham uh, things got a little chippy early in the ball game. And, and we, we kind of had a talk as a dugout that, Hey, we got to stay on us. And um, when we're on us, good things happen. And when we fire it up and we bring our own energy. And I think that really carries us into, um, you know, winning those late games and pulling for each other. So uh, kind of back to your question, I know a little long, little tangent there, but you know, um, Evan's a big part of that. He was a huge part. And I'm, I'm sure he was like that in 22 where, uh, you know, he kind of sets the tone in the dugout early in the games. You know, he didn't have any starts for us this past summer. And um, so he was he was in the in the dugout pretty early on in, in ball games, kind of keeping guys engaged and uh, just kind of pulling for his guys on the top step. How did he change his personality, especially as a reliever? It's not like he was a starter where we you saw him a little bit last year, but the year before Jack Moffat 2022 was a heavy starter for the Apple Sox and kind of a little bit more relief when he did pitch in 2023. So he was a guy who had that personality on days he wasn't pitching, but then when it was Moffat's day, it was a different human being. What did you see Canfield do differently on days or not even on days? Cause you didn't always know when he was going to go, but like how did his personality shift from that, you know, energetic guy, you know, dance into the music to, okay, I'm on the mound and now it's time to dominate. Right. No. Yeah. We, we had a system uh, within our clubhouse and guys kind of knew when they were going to pitch and, um, or what days that they could be in the ball game. So, um, he was, he was solid in the fact that, you know, he was out there early getting his stuff done so he could enjoy the ball games. You know, he was out there getting his, his early work and getting his recovery in where he can enjoy those games and, and days that he was pitching, he was, he was a guy that, um, you know, he'd probably take those first three innings and he knew he was going to be later in the ball game. And, um, you know, maybe he would head up to the clubhouse and he would, he would change his focus a little bit. He would head down to the bullpen, stretch out. Um, but you know, Evan's Evan, he, he was a guy that just, he wanted the baseball in the biggest moments. He wanted the baseball when, when the team needed him most. And, uh, you know, that guys respected them for it, you know, guys understood that his personality is not really going to waver too much. You, you know, he might be a little bit more quiet when he's on the mound, but guys love playing defense behind him and, and, and hitting for him in the offense because they know that man, this guy, this guy's really riding for us. So, you know, things change for sure. He can be a little bit more goofy when he's not pitching for sure, but he is a guy that his personality is his personality and he's not afraid to show it. So I think that's why he was really good is that guys really respected that he did. He wasn't two different people. We talked a lot about some guys who ended up getting all WCL honors at the end of the season. Tell me about a guy who fans may not have noticed from last summer's team who you might not not I shouldn't say might not have noticed might not have noticed or understood how big a part of the team he was when he was with the group this could be an early season guy this could be a late season guy this could be someone who's with the team all year but give me a guy like that who stood out to you as wow you know maybe the stats weren't the most eye-popping but without that guy we don't finish 20 games above 500. I think there's two that kind of jump off the page right now. Um, I want to give, obviously I want to give a, a pitcher, but I'll also give you a hitter. I think a pitcher that, you know, didn't play that big of a role, but was very, very good for us was uh, Hunter Gibson. 
it felt like every time he took the ball, I, th I think he probably got the ball five times for us all summer long, four times for us all summer long. He ate innings for us. He's a great clubhouse guy. He's fun to have around. And he was around more, more games than he pitched in. Um, but we, it was at times where we needed him most, you know, we, we needed six innings to be eaten right here. And he went out and got the ball and did it, or we needed a big game out of him on a Sunday. And we needed to get this win and give us a shot in the, in the later half of the game. And, and he went out and did it and he wanted the baseball and he was awesome to have around. Um, I don't think that that really stands out as far as, you know, he wasn't with us down the stretch. So that didn't really do anything um, in that aspect, but you know, he was, a huge part in that middle half of the season. And and when we got thin for a little bit. Um, and so I definitely, you know, I definitely think he's one of the guys, I think um, another piece and, and correct me if I'm wrong um, was Brandon Ponce, a, an all league guy for us this year. Ponce was all honorable mention. Okay. I'm going to use Brandon Ponce anyways. I, I think what people don't understand. And I, I'll turn the entire numbers off is that, you know, he's an older guy um, and a lot of our young guys were looking up to him. Uh, you know, I'll, I'll kind of lump Austin Olin in there as well. Um, just those two guys being older and around the college game, our, our younger guys really looked up to those. MJ Sweeney, I mentioned earlier, really looked up to Ponce, you know, and, and really liked the way that, you know, he got to the clubhouse early. He got his body ready to go. He gets stretched out for a game. Um, the way he thinks through his BP rounds, you know, uh, towards the back half of the summer, Sebastian, David, uh, Jaden Holloway, those were all guys that really fed off kind of the older presence that was, that was really set for us. So, um, another guy, I guess now that I'm, I'm just kind of looking at it, Izzy Lopez. hundred um, percent. That's who that's I was going to say. The, that's probably the lead candidate right there is, as he was an older guy and he played elite defense for us, you know, especially at, at Paul Thomas where it can be shaky at times. He, he played tremendous defense. Um, and maybe the offensive numbers didn't show it, but, um, and, and I know we put a graphic out just the other day of how many games, uh, guys started. I, I can't tell you the number off the bat, but, um, it was very easy to write him in the lineup for, for, uh, at shortstop by Mitch because man, he was, he was going to play some defense that day. And that's, that's a vital position in this game. Yeah. He, he had, that was exactly who I was going to apologize. No, that's I was going to say. That's exactly who I was going to say uh, for like a most valuable player who maybe you don't realize just how good they were. Look at the numbers of Izzy Lopez. He got the he got his average up. He got hot down the stretch, but there was a stretch there. He was kind of struggling. But to me, it was it was so clear that it didn't really matter what his batting average was, because one, if he got on base, he almost was always going to steal. And two, right. he just was easily the best defender, I would argue, in the league. I mean, I really feel that way. He's I, this was my this was my what was that? It was my fifth season last summer. He's the best defender I've seen with the Apple Sox in the five years, and it's not close. I don't think anyone touches what he did, given both the ability he showed, the way he got to balls, and the way he managed Paul Thomas. I've I've never seen someone navigate that field better. There's been there's been a lot of guys who come in and they make excuses or they complain about it. I don't think Izzy would say he liked playing at Paul Thomas's left side of the infield, but I also think he would admit that, you know, he could make the most of it. And he sure did. That was, it was so fun to watch the way he played defense last summer. Not to mention, you know, you talked about all the starts he had at shortstop, which understandable because of how good he was there. And his 35 starts at short were the most starts for any player at any position on the Apple Sox. But 
He also played second and third too. So this is an extremely right. versatile yeah. player. You know, and 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 something I respect Izzy for, and 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 nobody, it is not a requirement for anybody to do this. But when you come in and it's your third day with the Apple Sox, and you're you're teaching a young Sebastian David or uh, you know Reeve Boyd and um, just some other infielders, I think you know Carson Olin was kind of taking some ground balls here and there early in the in the summer, and just kind of working with these guys as a guy that's been around a couple different schools and and teaching them and working with their footwork and things and just doing some early work drills. Um, you know, that that's just huge. You know, he played a big role in, in those guys' summers, and, you know, that obviously helps the Sox. Such a really special player that we had last year. And like we said, that team doesn't go 20 games above 500 without him. Just briefly touching on some of the other guys you brought up, Um, you know, the Hunter Gibson one. We thought he made five starts. He had three last summer. He had just three starts, but a 103 yeah. ERA. I remember Mitch talked him into making that third one when he already thought he was shut down. So it was so cool that you could tell he loved pitching for the Apple Sox. And obviously we loved having him. The steps forward he was able to make. That was a cool one. I'll throw in another name into the mix real briefly. I'm going to throw in Garrett Gorse, uh, a guy who, yes, a guy, you know, he early on, we knew he was going to be a starter for us. We knew he was going to get some opportunities in the bump and he had some great moments, including of course that uh, those eight innings of scoreless ball on the 4th of July, but you know, doing it with at the plate too. I mean, that was our cleanup hitter a couple of games. You know, he had a home run as well. It was it was so fun to watch him at the plate as well. I'm gonna give you I'm gonna I'm gonna raise you one, not really raise you because all these guys were awesome, but I'm gonna mention Cam Hoyland early in the summer Ooh, as well. I like that. Um, you know, we gave him the ball a lot, um, you know, typically on a on a Sunday or a Saturday night. And uh man, he he early in the summer and in the month of June, he really pitched well for us and uh, that was a big reason as to why we got off to a hot start. Check a few people off your Christmas list this year by getting them the perfect Apple Sox gift. Season tickets and 10-game flex packs make excellent stocking stuffers, while team sweatshirts and jackets will keep you warm all winter long. Baseball season returns in June, but don't wait until then to gear up. Purchase Apple Sox gear in person at 610 North Mission Street in Wenatchee, or online at applesocks.com. Did you know that 21 former Apple Sox players have made it to the major leagues? This past April, Cincinnati Reds right-handed pitcher Casey Legamina became the 20th former Apple Sox player to make his major league debut, and then the Apple Sox got their 21st former player to make it to Major League Baseball when Alec Jacob debuted for the San Diego Padres in mid-July. You might recognize a few other names across Major League Baseball. Marco Gonzalez of the Seattle Mariners, Drew Rasmussen of the Tampa Bay Rays, Ryan Kreidler of the Detroit Tigers, Griffin Canning of the Los Angeles Angels, and Michael Tolia of the Colorado Rockies. And those are just a few other players in the majors who previously spent a summer in Wenatchee. You never know which guy on this summer's Apple Sox team will one day find him suiting up in the big leagues at the highest level of baseball. To learn more about Apple Sox players playing professional baseball, please visit applesox.com and select the Apple Sox and the Pros drop-down option on the About column. So, Mike, we've talked a lot about the 2023 season, but I think uh, you're like how I am. We're ready to turn the page, begin that full focus on 2024 and what excitement it can really bring as well. What are, you know, what are some things you're doing this offseason to prepare for that Apple Sox team? I know you were a big part of recruiting last year, and I've got to imagine you're probably taking an even bigger 
uh, stage in helping out Coach Darlington this offseason? Yeah, I think something that's pretty unique is that we've kind of put ourselves in a uh, in a situation where where good schools really want to send guys to us. You know, I think that's awesome. I think it's it's an honor, really. You know, obviously we're in a, a very prestigious league in the West Coast League, and um, we're a very uh, large name brand, if you will, and and the Wenatchee Apple Sox. So you know, schools want to send guys to us. That's awesome. Um, we're we're getting a lot of talented arms and a lot of talented position guys um, with us for next summer. So. Um, I think something that we're really excited about is obviously we got to take a look at the schedule and just kind of map out and really think, you know, what are we going to do here and there? And how are we going to map out which guys need to show up when? And, um, you know, so we can, you know, really have a shot at winning the first half, winning the second half and making a run. So I think something unique is kind of managing the workload with pitchers. You know, a lot of pitchers show up on, on inning limits and uh, we want to make sure that we have enough guys throughout the season to, to, to one, so we don't have to overuse guys and two, we can use guys how they need to be used. So, um, you know, it's, it's a lot of plug and play when you get to the summer and uh, you don't know what, what shape guys are going to show up in. And that's kind of just the name of the game. But um, you know, as far as really preparing for that and we're really playing around with arrival times and when guys can show up. Mitch and I did a whole podcast talking about the the schedule for 2024. You've had a good look at it. Just, you know, what are some highlights from it for you? What are some things you're looking forward to about teams we're seeing maybe uh, certain dates on the schedule? Uh, what are some of the games maybe you've highlighted? Yeah, I think uh, kind of the first thing that, you know, Mitch and I texted about when the schedule came out was just the return of the All-Star game. You know, I think that's awesome. Obviously, I know that hasn't really been announced yet, right? Not officially uh, where it's going to be, but it is happening on July 17th. Right. And I think that's something that Mitch and I both kind of uh, we marked on our on our schedules is, hey, man, don't don't plan to take that time off. We're planning to be there. You know, we're planning to be there. And and that's awesome. Uh, I'm looking forward to Bellingham being a little bit earlier in the season this year. Um, I think that's going to be really fun. Um, obviously, we have a fourth of July night at home against Victoria, which, you know, I think it's going to be an awesome game. Um, just looking at it right now, it's a Thursday night. So, you know, that's going to be a great crowd like it was last year. Um, I like kind of the more dead time in the, towards the end of July. I know that can kind of mm -hmm. be a slippery slope, but I think it's going to give us a chance to, to line some pitching up. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm really happy with kind of how the schedule turned out for us. I know, um, it's, it's similar as far as what teams were playing, um, but yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun. Obviously, finish finishing the season at Bend against a um, a familiar opponent is going to be awesome. It's a cool spot. Adding Yakima is always really nice, right there. I know there's a little rivalry, which is always fun. Um, but no, yeah, I'm really looking forward to kind of playing Bellingham a little bit earlier when we have kind of hopefully full strength and um, and really that Fourth of July game against Victoria, which is always going to be a good game. Yeah, as if Wenatchee and Victoria needed any extra billing, we throw that in when we have our fireworks night. That that's going to be such a fun series. I I was telling their broadcaster last year that this was before uh, the first game of our series with them in Victoria. I said whenever Wenatchee and Victoria play, whether it's June, July, or August, it always feels like a playoff game. So having that, hopefully in front of a packed house around the Fourth of July, that's I mean that's summer baseball at its best in a lot of ways. So I'm really looking forward to that one. Uh, I, I'll mention one thing you didn't. I love opening the season at home. That's something that in the yes. last few years has not been something we've gotten to do. The last two years have opened in Bend. This is going to be the first time on opening day for Mitch that he'll be in front of the home crowd. So I'm sure he's looking forward to that, as as are you probably. 
yeah, no, yeah, we love, uh, we love playing at home. Obviously, um, you know, we had a great crowd show up pretty much every single game all summer long. It's always awesome to kind of show out and, um, you know, our whole mantra is we don't want to lose at home. We don't want to lose series at home. And, uh, you know, we take pride in winning at home in front of our own fans. So getting the chance to do that on opening day is, uh, is going to be a lot of fun. We mentioned the All-Star game being back. You were in the league, of course, in 2019. What did you hear from teammates about their All-Star experience when you were at Victoria that summer? I went to it in 2019, and it was such a fun thing. And I hope that a lot of people, whether they have players in or or not, or every team's going to have players, whether they're in it or not, like people can find a way to come to it. But the All-Star game is such a fun experience, and I'm really looking forward to its return this year. Yeah, I think the All-Star, you know, the All-Star game and the All-Star break, I think it's super unique. Um because, you know, these are these are guys that are, first of all, you make up each West Coast League team and it's guys all across the country. And uh, when you form all star games and things like that and all star teams, you're pulling you're pulling the best of the best from around the country, you know, and, and the best that the West Coast League has to offer. Um, and, I, you know, I think that, you know, the Apple Sox have a, a really good shot of providing some of that talent, which is which is great for us and great for the league. Um, you know, everybody always says that it's fun because you see all these guys in a different setting all year long. You see these guys and it's, uh, you know, a pitcher maybe seeing a hitter and man, you were a tough out mid June, man. You really gave me a run for my money on whatever day that was. Well, now it's mid July and uh, another month has gone by and these guys are in a different setting, having fun, enjoying the, enjoying the game. So uh, a lot of, a lot of guys enjoying time in the Pacific Northwest really. So, um, I, I think the all-star game, you know, and getting guys kind of that downtime towards the back half of July is awesome. Um, I, I think it's great for the sport. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. I think it's great for the league really. And uh, just kind of gives an experience to guys that, um, you know, we didn't have last year. I love that you bring up that break down the stretch. We really get a little bit of time off that, but the Apple songs last games they play in league play before the all-star break are July 9th through 11th, two non-league games, the 13th and 14th. Obviously, nothing the 15th, 16th, or 18th game on the 17th. And then you go right back into that sprint to the finish line, July 19th. And then, of course, regular season wraps up on August 8th. You know, Mike, we talked about this last year, kind of in your introductory podcast that we did, uh, your love for summer baseball in general. Uh, and, you you know, you've done this now with the Apple Songs. You've been in the West Coast League as a player. You've been in some other leagues, Expedition League out West as well, or in the Midwest, I should say. Uh what do you enjoy the most about summer ball and what keeps you kind of coming back to it each season? You know, I think, you know, it, it's certainly a blessing, first of all, that, you know, I'm, I get to coach baseball for a living. Right. Um, you know, so for being back in Wenatchee, first of all, that, that's a dream come true to uh, be able to do this for another summer, another year and things like that. So these opportunities don't come along very often. Um, well, you know, what I really have fun with is, is, man, I get, I get to do this for a living. I get to show up to the yard and this is what I love doing. And it's not really a job for me. This is, this is, and this is fun. You know, I get to, I enjoy what I do and I enjoy waking up each day and, um, you know, good weather. Um, as far as the summer, you know, it's a, it's a change of pace. I love working with these guys, but I, I enjoy the road trips. You know, I enjoy the, the places that, you know, summer baseball brings, you know, I, I look back at last summer and, um, obviously I have some time spent in Victoria, but that's always a fun trip and, uh, going down to bend early when, you know, nobody on the team and you're just piecing things together, you know, that's great. I love to going up to Edmonton on Canada day and experiencing a part of the, you know, the world that I've never really been and getting to do that. And that's probably a once in a lifetime thing and experiencing playing in front of 9,000, however many fans they had, um, 
you know, I think summer ball is so unique and is, is that we're not going to get many similar, you know, there'll be some certain things that are similar, but it's going to be completely different this summer. And it's a, it's a different group of guys. And, um, you know, obviously, you know, Mitch makes a, uh, he and I work together fantastic and he makes it a lot of fun, but, uh, just showing up every day and, you know, you get to play baseball and, you know, it's, it's a blessing anytime that's the case. I think it's a, some really cool points in there, you know, opportunities you don't always get. And, the thing I think about is that when the summer comes to an end, you're pretty tired from that daily grind. The day in and day out, there's a game no matter what. You might have lost 10 nothing the night before, might have won 10 to nothing. You play again the next night. Are there aspects about that that once you get kind of your rest back under you, are there elements about that daily grind you kind of miss in the offseason? You know, and people might call me crazy. I I don't really get like that after the season. I'm it almost feels weird to me that I wake up and I'm like, man, I don't have to be, I don't have to head into the, into the office or I don't have to head to the yard. Uh, I look yeah. forward to playing every night, you know, sometimes something I struggle with, you know, being in the NWAC and at lower Columbia is I get four games in two days and back-to-back double headers. And I got to wait another week to go play, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, I love it. I love the fact that, you know, sometimes I know our guys need the off days and we can really use it as a pitching staff in certain aspects, but sometimes the off days throw me off where I'm like, man, I wish I was playing right now. Or I, obviously I'm not the one playing anymore, but I, I wish we were out there going to war right now. And, um, you know, so, you know, having that off time and, um, uh, you know, my girlfriend deserves the time and my family deserves that time. So I definitely owe them that. But, um, you know, there's, there's a point where, man, I, I just, I, I don't really feel like I ever miss it because I, I enjoy it so much during the time and it's on to the next, you know, um, I, I love the schedule. I'm kind of nervous about that, that downtime we have towards the back half of July, but I'm excited for it at the same time. I hope I'm hoping and that we're going to be busy for it and um, at the all-star game, but uh, yeah, the everyday, I, I do miss the everyday grind pretty much immediately, man. No, I feel that too. It's funny. I'm looking, I'm in hockey season right now. And in a couple of weeks from now, we have a weekend where we play a, game, a team three games in three days. And I've been routinely describing it as, you know, a three game series, a three game set. And I'm thinking of it like it's like a baseball thing. You know, that's really uncommon in hockey, three games right. in three days, the same team. And I'm thinking it's just like every, every series we have in baseball. So I, I'm kind of looking forward to that familiarity from the sake of it. One of the other things you brought up, I wanted to touch on that I thought was really cool is you talked about, you know, you're looking forward to the 2024 team and kind of them leaving their own mark. I think that's what's so fun right now is, and what makes the start of the season so special too, is we wait a long time from the end of August until in this case for 2024, uh, the last day of May to get a new season start it has a long time, a lot of time to think about every detail of the previous summer, the key contributors, you know, being bummed about certain guys not being back. But I think the the thing that excites me is now, like, I see the names of the roster, and I can't wait till we get into the new year and can reveal these to fans. But I see these names, and the fun part for me is looking at these names, and you don't have a clue about some of these guys. You guys know a little more than I do, obviously, but even then, still limited, right? But it's right. so fun when the season starts, and all of a sudden it's like, Holy cow, that guy is our guy. Like he is the big part of this team. We didn't know a lick about him in October when we signed him, but that's our three hole hitter, you know, or that's our ace on the mound, or that's our closer. And to me, that's the fun part is we're trying to learn these guys' stories very slowly right now. We're trying to learn what they've done. But in a lot of ways, 
none of that matters once they they put on you know an Apple Sox jerseys. They have a chance to write their own legacy, regardless of if they're a a UCLA recruit or if they're from a junior college we've never heard of. And that's the coolest thing to me about summer ball is that everyone is on that same playing field, whether you're the hot shot player we think is going to have the best season or kind of the relative unknown. Yeah, you know, I, I remember distinctively right after our elimination from the playoffs, you know, obviously we we went home or we went to uh, the hotel that night. We caught the ferry in the morning. Um, and I remember, you know, sitting at my laptop with Mitch and we were we were cranking out pretty much what what we were targeting and what we needed and what guys we were having coming back. And uh, we were starting the roster right then, you know, and that never stopped. I feel like our, our foot's been on the gas pedal ever since. Obviously, things have slowed down as we're um, approaching a near full roster. But, um, you know, I think that it's hard because these guys, you know, uh, you know, if you're a pitcher, we, we want the right guy. And oftentimes that guy's throwing 80 innings in the spring and we don't get them for very often in the summer. So um, you said it last year, some of our, you know, some of our best guys, Frankie Carney didn't, he redshirted last year, you know, yeah. we didn't know much about him uh, cause he didn't play in the spring. So, um, you know, and, and, and to that point, we really trust the programs we're getting guys from, you know, we've, we've worked hard and we've kind of earned the right to get some of these guys or and not the right, the privilege, if you will, uh, the privilege to get some of these guys within our program and, uh, with the apple socks for the summer, we've earned that trust a little bit. And, um, we, we trust them just as much as they trust us. You know, we, we trust them that they're giving us the right guy to come develop and play and, and represent the Apple Sox. That's going to be really fun. Really, I'm really looking forward to that. We'll probably get into roster reveal much more in March. You talked about the roster construction part kind of full at this point here, the, the turn of the calendar from November into December. Uh, what What's kind of the, what's that process like right now? Are you guys, you probably aren't, and you mentioned more teams are re- more colleges were reaching out to you and Mitch more than before, but at this point, is it kind of a, you know, there's occasional schools you're checking in with or, oh, hey, this guy unexpectedly dropped out now for the summer. We got to replace him. It's probably a little bit easier now here at the, the end of the 2023 calendar year, I would imagine, on the recruiting. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, early on, a lot of schools want to get guys placed. I kind of have a a two-sided approach to this as a, as a college coach that looks to get my pitchers at Lower Columbia appropriately placed as well. Um so you may or may not see some overlap there this summer. I don't know, you know, always like uh, that. Right. But, uh, we, you know, as, as far as pitching goes is, is sometimes the, um, a guy that doesn't perform so well in the fall comes out and he throws 80 innings in the spring and, uh, he's not coming back. He's not coming to play summer ball this summer. So then we have a hole in our, in our roster. So, um, at this point in the summer, yeah, we, we pretty much filled with what we think is going to be our roster. Um, the same thing happens every year. This roster will not stick. We will not have all, <laughs> however many guys we have signed show up. Um, again, I, I kind of mentioned that we're, we're playing around with some arrival times with guys and um, obviously schools start later schools, you know, uh, get out earlier, things like that. Um, but right now we're kind of, you know, waiting on certain programs that said, Hey, let us get to the, let us get to January one, see where our pitchers are at. And we'll kind of give you a guy. Then we'll give you a name. We'll save a roster spot. Uh, things like that. Um, but, you know, we, we kind of are, are full as, until things change, you know, which things always change. Um, but, you know, again, to, to his credit, Mitch has been working really hard at this roster. He, he takes a lot of pride in getting the right guys in here, which um, I think is something we're on the same page with. And um, it's been awesome to see kind of what the brand has grown and, you know, the, the stamp that Mitch is leaving kind of behind. 
looking forward to that. And, you know, it's amazing. Last year, we, we say it every year, and you said it really rightly a moment ago about the fact that the roster is going to fluctuate. There's going to be guys who sign who something happens, an injury, coaches changing mind, a player changing their mind, maybe it doesn't work out. But I will say that 2023 roster was one of the more stable ones where I think that if I'm remembering right, there were only two players we announced on social media who didn't play for the Apple Sox, which was stunning. That never happens. Usually I count there's at least 10 where it's okay. It just didn't work out, but really, really stable last year, which probably definitely led to a lot of guys playing, but you mentioned the lower Columbia guys, you know, I think your pitch to them has got to be real simple. You know, Mike, you, you tell them you're just putting on a different set of uh, red, white, and blue jerseys and Hey, maybe you add in a powder blue one and you play for the Apple Sox too. <laughs> yeah, no, they don't get much of a decision either. So I'm, yeah, I'm excited to, <laughs> Uh, get into that and and who we're bringing from here. I think it's going to be awesome. But um, I think to be honest, when you look at our, um, you know, when you look at our our social media and when you look at our brand and when you look at kind of what we have to offer as far as the summer ball program, I think it's, um, I you know, I think that there's 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 nothing better really. Well, we appreciate that too, Mike. And we appreciate this time. One last question for you before we let you loose and get back into the mindset of being the full time uh, college coach, of course, with Lower Columbia. Right. Um, the last thing I want to check with you about what was, what was the biggest thing you felt you learned as a coach from last season? We talked a lot about the stuff you remember from the 2023 season. What was something you learned? Maybe it was one big moment over the course of the summer. Maybe it was just something at the end of the summer. Maybe you realized, but give me one thing that you felt you really learned from the 2023 Wenatchee Apple Sox season. Yeah, that's, that's a big, that's a loaded question. I think I learned a lot of stuff. You know, I think I learned, um, you know, I think, man, there's a, that's a huge question to ask. It's very loaded. Um, you know, I think I definitely learned that, you know, we've got 30 or however many different arms rolled in and pitched for us and pitched innings for us. And, you know, it's not a one size fits all when it comes to these guys. Um, I think I learned how to kind of manage a summer roster, if you will, a little bit better. I think we kind of have an identity to us about younger pitchers. And I, I learned that, you know, we got to stick to what makes us successful and not, not dip my toe in other different things and, and stay in my lane. Um, you know, I think as a coaching staff, we, we kind of um, are doing a lot better job of slowing the game down. We learned a lot about that throughout the year and kind of trial and error and um, just learning what, what makes a pitcher successful in this league and and in this game and, and going through the schedule we go with Um Again, you kind of caught me off guard. I think, man, what didn't I learn over the summer? To be honest with you, it was it was a blast and it was a, a huge learning curve for me. And uh, looking for and, and you pair that with the school year and this school year, and I'm I'm really just looking forward to uh, bringing it back to Anachi and 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 building off what we're what we're looking to build. Well, Mike, it's been a pleasure having this uh, this conversation. Looking forward to many more, of course, next summer. Really excited to have you back with us and. I always enjoy these because, you know, you and I can both sympathize with the the multiple seasons you're juggling over the course of the year. You're in one. You're thinking about the other. Uh, you know, it's just it's a heck of a process to do. But really looking forward to 2024. Enjoy yourself. And I'm sure we'll talk more before. But of course, best of luck to you and the Red Devils this coming spring. Awesome. Thanks for having me on, Joel. Really appreciate it. Thanks for tuning in to another edition of the Wenatchee Apple Sox podcast. Please subscribe to it if you do not already so that you can get the latest updates on new episodes. Make sure to check out applesocks.com as well as our Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram accounts for the latest news on the team this offseason. Wenatchee Apple Sox Baseball, celebrating summer one inning at a time.